anything, this a different scenario We break records while we pushing the culture forward Great music and big vibes right in that order Intellectually petty radio on the stereo Don't compare us to anything, this a different scenario We break records while we pushing the culture forward Great music and big vibes right in that order And you are now tuned into another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio, brought to you by M3S3 Clothing. Men make moves and suckers stand still. And as always, on the Mighty Mighty Nerf DJs Radio Network, y'all already know, man, I only rock with legends. And today, today, today is absolutely no exception. We have the queen herself, Miss Lexi Carter, the chairwoman of the Shelby County Democratic Party. Yes, I had to read that because it's a long name. I want to make sure I got that right. Um, how you doing, Queen? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor and a privilege of mine. Uh, how's your family doing? Everyone's doing real well. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. All right. Um, politics. When did when did you get started? Actually, around 2002, um, I think I was washing dishes in my kitchen and I heard Howard Dean uh, on the, in, in, the, in the front and he, he was saying some things that really attracted me. Uh, I had not long been in uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, life was quite different here than it, than it is in California. So uh, going through a, a lot of cultural shock, I just decided... Uh, it's time to just start doing something about it. So I got involved. Why? Well, so Howard Dean, was it just him or was it a Democratic policy as opposed to Republican policy also? Well, you know, actually, my dad was the first um, black uh, city councilman in Richmond, California. And uh, and 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 so we, you know, I heard politics preach most of my mm-hmm. life, but I just never thought I'd get involved. Um, and it was the Democrat platform. Uh, actually, I think the comment he made that struck me was that the people in Mississippi driving around in red pickup trucks uh, ought to think about the way they vote because they need good health insurance, too. It was something to that effect that just uh, rang, you know, just rang so true to me that I thought this is somebody I could listen to. And so initially, w- what did you start out doing? Well, actually, I, when I look, when I, you know, I, let me tell you this little story, because this is this is about that cultural shock. When I first decided I wanted to do something, I looked into the newspaper and I was looking for a Democrat meeting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw one called the, the Black Democrats meeting. And then I saw another one, the Germantown Democrats meeting and et cetera. And so um, I, I got I, I couldn't really reach anybody. I called a number and I got a hold of a young man who has become very dear to me in terms of the things that he taught me about politics, but his name is Derek. And I got a hold of him. I said, well, tell me about this uh, Blacks meeting. I thought it was a person's name or a district or something. I hadn't, you know, and he goes, well, that's the Black people's meeting. And I about dropped to the floor. (laughs) You've never heard of anything like that. But yeah, they had separate meetings for for the blacks and the whites. So that was the first thing that was just kind of 
uh, a hurdle for me. Has that changed much? It's changed to a certain degree. Um, you know, it's changed with the, the, I guess, the years since then, 20 years of integration, and you have different generation coming up now. So in that way, it's changed, but the whole old hats, it's going to be hard change for them. Um, and that, when we get to it, is, is probably one of the reasons I ran for uh, for party chair, just, just, just to get the party going in a different direction. Okay. Um, what, what, let me ask you this. What, what do you love the most about the Democratic Party, and what do you hate the most? I would say the, 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 the most, I love the basic principles of, mm -hmm. of fairness, equality, uh, the things that we support, a right to choose. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard to define it in a, with a straight face right now because what we thought we had and fought for all seems to be on the table again. But uh, that's why I'm in the fight. But, but we do need uh, fair wages. We need uh, health care. We need uh, the right to vote. Uh, we need, a woman needs to be able to choose what happens to her own body. Uh, we need sensible gun control. I mean, all these things are, are, are virtues of the Democratic Party, and and I believe in them. Okay. Um, and it's interesting. Um, I'm a big proponent of black people owning firearms. Mm-hmm. But but and I, and I've so I'll, to that end, I've had several people that are kind of like there's a community now that that's growing with each year. Um, they got magazines, they got YouTube channels, they have like celebrities um, that give like classes and discussions on owning firearms and correctly doing it the right way. Um, but also, there's a lot of things going on in this country. You know, a lot of shootings unnecessarily. Like, what's a practical good gun control law something that would actually help okay i let me just say i am um i was never for guns in the home mm -hmm. because of a accident that i witnessed as a child so i was always anti-guns and i was kind of surprised when i found out my husband had guns my daughter loved guns and uh, <laughs> they always kept me out of the loop but but i do know that i have a son-in-law who's a uh, was a police officer here in Memphis for 20 years. And he just flat out said one day, you know, mom, they have a lot of home invasions and being older, you become a target. And so you really need to be able to protect yourself. So I do own a pink Smith and Wesson, which I never fired, never hardly picked it up, but I have one and a whole lot of bullets to go with it. <laughs> but this is what I believe. I believe that um, there has to be good I, I don't believe in these rifles, these AR rifles and and mm. uh, and AR-57. I just think those are wartime instruments, you know, weapons, and that they shouldn't be used uh, for, for for the purpose that they're used for. And I think most of our mass shootings, they're you know somehow uh, using these weapons. I also think that we need to do more to protect people in situations of domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the order of protection. Now, recently, you know, here in Tennessee, after uh, there was kind of a, you know, a, a spotlight put on our General Assembly, uh, our governor finally came out with these red flag issues and decided to, uh, uh, you know, offer something uh, on, on uh, you know, 
domestic, well, not domestic, he put it towards mental health. And, okay. you know, when actually, I, you know, I was there if, if we're, uh, on the day that we had the hearing in Nashville for the Tennessee Three. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing that they did when they opened that morning was to offer this. I thought it was just an excuse or a, so kind of a show of of uh, t- making an effort to do something about it. So they introduced a mental health plan that would give better access to people. And I made a big sign up that said the person who did these murders that you know everyone was protesting about these six murders. Uh, this this individual was in treatment for mental health problems, and during that treatment period, she purchased seven guns legally. So it doesn't do much good if you offer access to mental health and don't put a ban on it. That ban would be easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 today in Tennessee, an 18 year old who don't have too much, maybe may not have a good sense of judgment anyway when they're dealing with. Uh, uh, issues of anger or, or, or bullies or things like that, um, they can get a gun. You can get, they can beat their girlfriend up. She can get an order of protection and, and put him in jail and he can get out of jail and go get a gun without a permit or anything and blow her brains out. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's just, it, it's outside of just sensible thinking, just common sense. I mean, well, and I'm trying to, it, it, if it were us shooting up schools on that scale, they would have been changed the laws. It's unfortunate, but it, I, you know, if you go back to the Panthers, when the Panthers, you know, bear, bear arms. Right here. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, only, only for about two months till my dad found out. Then it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> but I did read a lot of their literature and I wanted to be like Angela. You know, but but yeah, I, I agree with you. I said when they first made it legal to take uh, guns into a restaurant here, mm-hmm. I said the first time three or four black folks go into a restaurant with a gun, they're going to change that law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's sad, but it's, it's absolutely true. And we know it. And we've been saying the same thing for decades, hundreds of years, how, however long this country's been in existence and they don't care. Hey, let, let's think. Let's talk about January sixth. Now you know that would have been a bloodbath. Oh my god! January sixth would have lasted fifteen minutes. Yeah, that's right. It would have been all over with. Because it was a sister, if I remember correctly, who made a a wrong turn into the the Capitol grounds and they shot her. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that was a yeah. There was there was a woman that got shot because she made the wrong turn, and there yeah. was also an incident when. Um, uh, uh, the uh, Muslim leader went with four, uh, I can't call his name right now, I just got a little block, mm-hmm. but he went with four individuals on the steps of the uh, Capitol, and you would have thought that there was an invasion from another country. I mean, it was lined with, uh, you know, uh, armed, armed National Guards and police and everything else for four individuals, uh, Farrakhan. Oh. So, yeah, so that that gives you that's that paints, you know, uh, both pictures for you. Yeah. And what I don't understand is how they they weren't charged with treason. Uh, they broke into the Capitol with the intent on taking over the government. They took pictures of themselves doing they filmed the whole thing and laughed about it. To me, that is treason, and, and it didn't seem like a difficult call to make. 
but you know, who am I? I'm just a and, well, cat. it still doesn't. I, I mean, I think most of America probably agrees with you. Um, it's unfortunate. It is. It's, it's unfortunate that we're in this era where um, we don't even know where the boundary is, where it stops. When you have a young man that can take a gun and walk down the street and shoot people and kill them and then walk by two police officers and hold a gun up and they're giving you a hey five and you go home and sleep in your bed and get up the next day. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no no <laughs> can argument you see, Can there. you imagine yourself doing that or any of us? I mean, it's no, just, it, it just, just would never happen. A, there are issues there that have to be addressed. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's you- why I'm in this fight. I think that I think we went through a period that we were just so stunned. You know, um, I, I am also the, um, well, I just recently stepped down, but I'm a founder of a group of women called Willow, Women in Leadership, Leaning mm-hmm. on Wisdom. And we just had a conference in New Orleans. And the theme of my conference was uh, empowering women during a time of uncertainty. Okay. And that uncertainty are, uh, uh, is a lot about a lot of things that you and I are talking about, things that we thought we fought and won that are still on the table and we don't have them anymore. And I think we were just, we were so stumped during the last president's administration when we could not even speak about these things and get, they were too busy normalizing the, all the, 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 you know, the absence of rule of law and being certain people being above the law and being subjected to all kinds of, of uh, abuses, emotional, you know, uh, verbal abuses, uh, things that we had never had to, hadn't, you know, hadn't had to fight for for years. So I think everybody's just kind of been in shock. But I'm seeing, you know, I saw, I saw some wheels turning mm-hmm. with the the Tennessee Three. I saw some wheels turning, and you know, I, I, I was saying, I, I think maybe we started to realize what woke really means. I, you know, I'm an independent, and I wasn't always an independent. I, I mm-hmm. used to be a Democrat. Um, mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, this president in particular, um, I, I, I've kind of lost faith in. Mm-hmm. It, am, I, am I an outlier or is that becoming more of the norm? And what can we do to rectify that? Well, I wouldn't say you're an outlier, but I do think that that's a false equivalency. I don't think mm-hmm. that the Democrats are nearly as ridiculous or as as uh, off the mark as Republicans, not saying that we don't need to work together and come together. But I think when you have a party that's in power, that's literally silent to um, all the bad things that are happening and they can have a leader before them that they just absolutely refuse to speak against regardless. Uh, Like he said, I can stand on Fifth Avenue and kill somebody and never lose a voter. I don't think the Democratic Party has gotten to that extent, although there are some things inside the Democratic Party that definitely need some work on. Uh, Being in the South, I probably recognize those things to have, you know, we've got some roots in racism that that are systematic and, and, and we need to fight for them. And that's where I am. I am at the place where it's time to fight. So mm-hmm. if I'm a fight, I got to choose a spot because literally we just have two parties. Independents don't win presidential elections, so they don't get in power enough to change things. They can sway elections, but we haven't had an independent president win an election. So I don't think that that that, you know, I think I want to be on the side that where I can 
where I can fight and do the most good uh, and have and create the most change. But it's a struggle. The, the, we're in a bad, we're not in the best place right now uh, politically and in, in, in the world, period. And see, for me, that that at some point, we got to be willing to let go of that argument, in my opinion. Or the Democrats will always say, well, black folks going to vote for us regardless. And the Republicans will always say black folks will never vote for us. So why should we care? If we don't tell the Democrats through our vote, and I'm not saying vote Republican, but yeah, if we vote for a Green Party person, I don't care who it is. It can be Kermit the Frog, but just somebody. And we do it in such numbers that the Democrats have to wake up and the Republicans have to say they're in play. Gonna always end up with the same result. Is that fair? Well, I think it's your opinion and I respect it. I just mm-hmm. don't think that that's the reality that we live in in our politics right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's ideal. I mean, but 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 what really happens um, is that when the Green Party or the uh, you know Independent Party or whatever, when they have enough input, they're swaying one way or the other, and it's not always the best way. So, okay. you know that that's the, I mean they can ruin an election too. I, I I just think that we have to deal with the system we have, the system that works, mm-hmm. and, and and it's not. And I hear you. The problem we have is that it's not working for everybody. Um. But I, I think that, you know, this we have to keep working on this experiment. And I think we have to keep fighting for this experiment because I think we're our best hope. I would agree with that one. Um, reparations. Will we ever see that? No. And because it's too many of us, how are we going to break it up? <laughs> Look, I won't get mine. I'm going to tell you, we, we had, when we were coming up, <laughs> my, when, we, when we were coming up, my grandfather used to tell us this story about uh, how his family was run out of New Orleans. It's very similar to the Rosewood incident. You know, and as kids, we just kind of, ah, granny, you know, grandpa, we don't want to hear it. And then I got grown and I did, in 2008, I did a ancestor research. And I actually found the deeds to the property that he owned and a lot of information that really proved that the story was true. And then when I tried to, go and claim it and say, okay, I want my money. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want this land that belongs to us. I found that they had changed the land, you know, they changed all the parcel numbers and they don't connect them. They take everything and ship it to Houston and bury it. And it's very few people that are ever, ever able to track that. So they, they were real sophisticated in making sure that you could not come back and make those claims from some of the things that were stolen from us and from our ancestors. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, for I think we're owed it because I think that it was on the backs of our, on our backs that the country was built and in some kind of ways it, it still is. So, um, yeah, I agree with you, but I just don't think that it's going to be feasible or possible because, uh, you know, how would you split it up the way we're so bonded and we're so interlaced with other, you know, other races too. I think that that the dwindling numbers of, of of white folks in this country will get them to a point where they'll give it to us only because their backs are against the wall. 
The numbers will be so low, but they'll still be in power. But they're seeing that power uh, eviscerated slowly. And then they'll say, oh, well, you know what? We had a change of heart. And they think that that'll work to pay us off. That's just my two cents, my thoughts. Um, I think we're in cases where it can be proven. I think they may. I think they. we just saw something recently in California. Mm-hmm. There was a spot, I think, where some people beach. were able to. Yeah, they were able yeah. to go back and they had done the work. They had been fighting for some years mm-hmm. and they were able, I think in cases like that, I think it will work. But I think that, you know, we're so like, look, I, I have um, 11 grandchildren and eight great grands. And I think I only have one great grand, well, three great grands that have two black parents. So mm-hmm. how are you going to take that percentage out? I mean, you know, I think I, I just I just don't think it's practical to try to to take that position but i would like to comment on the fact that i think a lot of what some of the laws and things happening especially in florida uh have to do with this fear of what you just said i think the biggest fear is uh the fact that they're going to come out of power just by sheer numbers and i tell you in some places in california they haven't had that power for a while. I don't know if you remember this, but during Bush too, during his presidency, there was a time that Latinos got together and decided that they didn't like, he had planned, you know, put buses on the streets and he was going to have this mass deportation. And when they walked out of these businesses and office, it was pandemonium. Everything shut down. And he quickly got those buses off the street, reversed that, uh, you know, Hmm. propaganda and they never tried anything close to it because these these migrants or let me just say we're not really migrants but americans who are not who are non-white we are so embedded in this country that you know uh, there's no chance that they are going to lose power just because of their being their whiteness and, and I think that's their biggest fear. I think that's why we're dealing with Roe v. Wade yeah. in the sense that we are and abortion pills. And and I actually, I, when I had a radio show some years ago, I had a woman from a commune to come on that show. Mm-hmm. And she was from one of them where uh, her actual husband wanted to have sex with her 14-year-old daughter to make sure that all her children were pure. And, uh, and this woman had had like eight kids. And she was pretty much pretty much held against our own will uh, at this commune where this is this was the main factor with them is to produce white white uh, thoroughbred children. Yeah, they see South Africa. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what it is. And I don't and South Africa didn't have the history uh, of the they've got a bad history of treatment of black folks, but it ain't not, nothing like here. And mm-hmm. what they see is we treating them like they treated us. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, I can understand not. the fear. I get it. You know, mm-hmm. um, but we've black people have never been that. If we if, if we were that, we would have been demonstrated that in mass long time ago. We wouldn't wait until centuries later. We did that crap a long time ago. You know? Well, I believe I believe that the best scenario is a country where we can all live together. Mm. Um, I, I, that's what I believe. When we can live in harmony, uh, maybe I'm just a dreamer. 
But I, I think that uh, that is the best scenario where uh, where we where we can love one another, respect one another, and don't have to be superior to one another in order to survive. That sounds good. Yeah. But I think that there were also benefits to segregation. <laughs> you know, like like we we as a community, you know, having not actually lived, but just going through books and, 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 and old movies and stuff like that. What we had as a community was just a lot better when, yeah. when we felt like all we had was us. You know, I, I can attest to some of that. When when we were young, my the grandparents lived in Texarkana, and I, I you know I had gone to an integrated school all my life in California, mm -hmm. and this was my first opportunity to go to an all black school, and um, and I could not, you know, I, I always played instruments, and I was in a band, and uh, and I you know spoke a foreign language, and I was pretty good at it. Uh, so I was kind of the lead in my classes, but, um, and I actually was one of the people chosen to go to a white school and study Latin when they first opened it up. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, you know, I remember uh, hearing for the first time, Lift Every Voice, and it was like in the sky opened up. It was one of the most beautiful songs I'd ever heard. <laughs> and uh, I participate. I had a really cool band instructor. And, you know, from California, we played songs like Girl from Empanina, Tijuana Taxi. And, you know, and, 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 and at the Black School, we were going Watermelon Man, and, you know, Grazing in the Grass. And, you know, and I had never had the opportunity to learn those rhythms. So I was like, why do they want to change? You know, why do they want to uh, to go over there? They've got the best thing going here. Uh, and plus there was something else that uh, you, you might have mentioned, but it was the relationship that uh, the teachers told you things like, you know, you have to be better. You can't be yeah. as good as. You didn't yeah. learn that in the other schools. And there was a way you connected with them because of the uh, just being black, just because yeah. of the culture, yeah. a natural culture, not a more, not less, you know, a subculture, but a natural culture that they had in the schools that I had not been exposed to. So I didn't understand it, but, you know, as I got older, I could understand the lack of, uh, you know, air conditioners in the school, uh, uh, current books, uh, equipment, materials, doors on the toilets. I mean, there are things that they were lacking and they needed help with, but the the heart of it, I agree with you. You have to wonder um, if if we could have that inside of uh, the integration. It would, I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but I just know that uh, that's how I felt about it at that time. Which, interestingly, to be quite honest, like even though legally we are integrated, like physically we're still segregated to a large extent. You know, well, just, we are now for sure. Yeah, uh, I have to move a little bit, but yeah, we are That's now okay. for certain. Let me let me ask you this: the Tennessee Three. Did you know um, about the demonstration prior to, or was 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 that something that you found out afterwards? No, I don't think anybody knew about the demonstration. Well, I wasn't the chair at the time that it okay. happened, but I, I don't think anybody knew uh, knew that that they were going to do what they do. Like I say, the. Um, Representative Pearson, uh, I think, was the last one to come of the three to mm -hmm. come to the General Assembly. 
Uh, and, he, and, and we had the uh, person that he replaced, uh, she died while in office. And so it was mm. a special election okay. that he won. And so I think early on there was some evidence that he was going to be a factor. Uh, uh, he's, as you know, he's very well-spoken. Um, he's very opinionated. Uh, he's very sharp and he's very determined. And so we saw that in him. And I think probably the old hands initially wanted to just kind of take it and, 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 and do what we normally had been doing and say, mm-hmm. you know, calm down, youngster. You know, it's coming. <laughs> but I think that what they experienced taught us all that it's time to fight. Yeah. Um, let me. So after they get expelled. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm, I'm certain that you guys had meetings. Um, and at this point you're, you're, you're the chairwoman, correct? Right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I was in the chamber, uh, that day I took a busload of people from Memphis to Nashville mm-hmm. and we were in the chamber to witness the entire, um, uh, process. So what are you thinking as you watch this unfold? I'm thinking that this is good because Finally, it's being exposed, what's happening. We learned things. We didn't realize just how difficult their job was. Uh, We didn't know that they cut their mics off while they were trying to, uh, you know, introduce bills. We didn't know that they prevented them from voting in ways that they did not prevent anyone else from voting. We didn't know that they were on a timeout or recess at the time that this occurred. Uh, and I don't, I think there was some real benefit mm-hmm. in being able to witness the condescending manner in which they were addressed uh, and the arrogance of the uh, Speaker of the House and uh, the lack of uh, just the lack of civility in the room and and um, you know, it was clear. I think afterwards, there was a audio tape that was released. I don't know if you got an opportunity to hear it, but mm-hmm. it clearly showed that these individuals didn't. They never intended to give them a trial. They they intended and spoke about making um, you know, just making examples of them. They had decided uh, that all three of them would be expelled, and they were you know mad as all get out that uh, uh, Representative Gloria Johnson was not expelled. And uh, they had a lot of back and forth uh, uh, about that and a lot of disappointment because uh, everybody didn't vote against her. So uh, I think we learned a great deal. I think the world learned, you know, the world was able to witness, you know, (laughs) this kind of discrimination at its worst. Uh, You know, they happen to have a super majority Mm-hmm. And the way that they used that power was to silence the other side. Okay, so I mean, from a strategic standpoint, was it a good thing that they didn't vote her out as well? You know, I, I think that the, one of the concerns that they complained about in that audio was the fact that they didn't want to vote her out because they didn't want to be seen as racist. That's what it was about. They, you know, they had all agreed to do it. So they were really mad because you hear this one guy saying, they calling me a racist now, you know, you know, that we had heard some things in there a few weeks before that. If you can recall, 
and I just issued a press release that uh, uh, got quoted in our local paper here mm -hmm. recently, and it was about, you know, we, we asked for the uh, resignation of the Speaker of the House on more than one reason, but one was the fact that, um, you know, they, they, they simply, you know, wouldn't do anything about any of these infractions that was happening before uh, these gentlemen were expelled. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, you, as you know, they had a guy, resi a, a res representative resign uh, because of an ethics charge that he was found guilty of in a subcommittee. We just don't think that would have happened had it not been for the spotlight that it put on this General Assembly. Exactly. And, right. And, and this stuff had been going on for some time. And uh, it, it was just really a farce. And I think that, you know, I think that um, being it for everybody to be able to witness that and see that, uh, I think it just showed the world uh, just where the Republicans are. Not that we needed any more clearer picture, to be quite honest. Um, OK, so Justin Pearson is under your umbrella, correct? That is correct. He's a. A member of the Shelby County delegation. Okay, and Justin Jones is not. No, he's in uh, Davidson County in Nashville. Okay, was there? So I'm assuming that 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 county also has a chairperson for the Democratic Party. Was there, yeah, but were you guys but, in but concert? I think his vote came from their municipal council. They have something. Okay. Their setup was a little different than ours. The people who okay. voted him in, and his was pretty much instantaneous. Yeah, I I was wondering why why was he as like so quick, and and Justin Pearson it, it was not as quick. What was the rationale for that one? Well, I think it's just the two different bodies he has met, and and these people were they knew in advance that they had a, um, uh, you know that they were all going to it wasn't you know it was they all were going to vote the same way, okay. and 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 ours was done by a body of commissioners. Correct. And we have uh, 13 districts and I think we, we got a super di super commission district. But mm -hmm. I think it's eight to five or something like that. And so that five is more conservative than the eight. And so <clears throat> it just took a time to schedule the process. You know, we work with a with with a county mayor. And so they had the the, the commissioners had to schedule the date and get it in. And it, this was a special meeting that wasn't on their you know regular agenda so they had to um just get this just the time it took to do it and it really was relatively fast i mean uh and then i think when it when they had it that day it went really fast it was less than an hour they got that got it done so um yeah so, I, I, so they call know. you up and and, and want, want you to arrange all of this i'm, I'm thinking <laughs> No, because because at that level, it doesn't go through the party. Now, where the party's going to get engaged is no. Now, of course, we supported it. We rallied mm -hmm. Democrats. You okay. know, we held a rally. We held receptions. We held a unity party, things of that nature we did. But the, but the, the votes came from the commission districts. However, the he's going to run in a primary. And yeah. as you know, Democrats own their primary. Now, I, I don't I don't see any. Um, I think there's an independent that will challenge, but it's not a serious challenge. There are no Democrats at this time that are making a serious challenge. Uh, so I, I think, that, you know, the, he'll be certified pretty quickly 
and I think that's going to be June the 15th. Okay. And of course, like I said, that's our primary. So if anybody were to get in there, we would vet them, you know, and make sure that they could be on the ballot or whatever. But so far, we don't have that task. Okay. Um, he reminds me of the Baltimore mayor who I got a chance to interview, Brandon Scott. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the young guy. But I am. I am. Very he, dynamic young he, man. Yeah. Justin Pearson reminds me a lot of him. And it ain't just the Afro. Um, although I, I really like Justin Jones, too. Um, but where's the ceiling for Justin Pearson or is there one politically? Well, you know, I think with it, with 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 all things, I don't think there is a ceiling. I think that he has impressed. Like, this is a very impressive young man. Mm -hmm. You know, he has a kind of uh, Martin Luther King persona about him, even in his speech. I think there are some in his inflection that you could just hear that that in, that spirit within him he's mm -hmm. an extremely intelligent young man um and I, you know i i i talked with him several times and i just think that he's uh, you know he he's got a future in politics what he does uh, i think he he really believes in what he's doing mm -hmm. and, and he's able to educate people and bring them along um, I, I'm, I'm looking for a lot of things from him now. Right now, I think he's focused on, you know, serving out his term. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, the district that he ran in, in District 86, was mm -hmm. held by a woman by the name of Barbara, Representative Barbara Cooper. Okay. I knew her very well. And what she was elderly when she died in office. And uh, what I like to tell people is that uh, she told me about when she very first got involved in politics in 1952 and she could recall everything that happened in that year. What's unique to me is that that's the year I was born and I'm 71 mm. years old. So this lady was sharp to the end and she, she died in that seat. And, but one of the things that I told people was if she was on a respirator, she would, she would survive and she was dead and was still reelected to that position. So the people in that district are some of the most loyal in the state. And so they're going to be behind this young man. They're going to promote him and mm -hmm. help him and, you know, support him in any way that 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 he can. They can, as is the rest of the state uh, and, and all of our uh, representatives. You know, we we have several legislators up there, young people uh, that are up there fighting for us. And some of them have been around for a while and they're all you know, they're none of them are throwing their hats in. They're constantly there trying to figure out ways to improve our life and make our life better. We're in, 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 uh, we make up the majority in this County. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned vetting, um, uh, potential candidates. What's that process? Like I've heard that a lot, but I've, I've, I've no idea what that really, really means. Mm, say again, what do you mean? When you vet somebody for, you know, Oh yeah. Like, when you vet them, vet, mm -hmm. vet means to verify their, their, their qualifications is to do a background check, you, you know, okay. it means to, to just make to verify who they are, what they've done, background, resume, you know, just vet them and make sure that they're legitimate. Uh, and are, I'm assuming there are levels of vetting relative to the, the, the office you're, you're running for. Like city council, the vetting is probably not as much as a senator. Yeah. And I think that all of these have different, um, you know, different criteria when you apply for them, uh, the jobs. And, you know, usually 
we're you know we're we're big but we're a small community because everybody knows everybody but mm. if you have somebody come in and it's like you ain't from around here you can believe that these reporters are going to be on it they're going they're going to verify your education and all the things that you put out there so i think that that um that's just kind of that process and then we have in the democratic party what we call a primary board Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, Democrats own their primaries. You don't run in a primary unless we authorize it. So the primary board's main function is to vet candidates. You know, many times we have people from the other side that want to run as Democrats because that's how they get voted, because the Democrats are the majority of the voters. Okay. And so if, you, if they don't meet the criteria as a bona fide Democrat, well, they can't get on our ballot. And we control that. So. Memphis is is in Shelby County, correct? That is correct. So the mayor of Memphis, Democrat? Uh, yes. <laughs> Why <do> you say <laughs> it like that? that was, apparently they got elected before before you did. Yeah, yes. Uh 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 we have a uh, a mayor here, Mr. Jim Strickland. He is the mayor of the city. However, we have a county mayor. You know, in most counties, he's not really a mayor. He's a county executive, but he wears the title of county mayor. Mm-hmm. And the county mayor, the supervision of the commissioners falls under the county mayor. And, of course, his perimeters are much more broad than okay. the, the Memphis City. Memphis City has the city council, and that's the board that pretty much answers to him. But as far as from a Democratic standpoint, they want to fundraise, they want to actually run. It goes through you at this point. Yeah, we will be. Yeah, we will. We will facilitate that. If you don't like the mayor. And I'm not saying that this is the case, but. Politically speaking, how do you go about saying I want to run somebody else? Well, you know, um, our city mayor Mm -hmm. position is actually a nonpartisan position. The city, the city council, those positions are not, they're not primary. Uh, and the, the status, what we have right now is we have actually, uh, we're gonna have an election in October to elect a new city mayor mm-hmm. for Memphis. And right now, I think there are nine people running. So there is gonna be some vote splitting, we know. We just hope it splits out the right way, but that's the, uh, that's the tragedy of not having a primary board, you know, a primary process. So I, I think that's something we will, had I been the chair at the time that that was on the table at the city mm-hmm. council, I definitely would have uh, joined that fight, but I, I wasn't. Uh, I do plan to try to, uh, that's something we're going to work on Okay. Uh, because it's in the best interest of the people. I mean, but to be, let's be fair, um, like, like for somebody to, to have a legitimate shot, having you on their side helps a lot. It's got mm-hmm. to. I think so. I would think so too. <laughs> 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 Do you have any aspirations politically for any office yourself? You know, I don't, I, I actually, I, I think I told you my, my first love of any organization is Willow, and that's a women's group that I, uh, you know, I founded, uh, and I think that they're, I think they're, they're, they're doing really well. We were a little stagnated by 
you know, uh, pandemic. But I think that uh, we're we're out of that and and moving pretty well. I'm real comfortable with the person who I've handed over the the president, uh, you know, role to. Um, and I think they'll go, but that's that's where my real love was. And to accomplish that, uh, it's just it's just that's that's my pinnacle for me. What I'm doing now, I'm doing out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hurt me deeply to step down from my role as chair as president of Willow, but I, I feel like this is a calling. Uh, the reason I was recruited for it is because I did have the uh, reputation and the name recognition to uh, to win it. Mm-hmm. And so that that was all a uh, part of it. So, um, yeah, this is if, if, if this is a lot of work right here. <laughs> There's a lot of work to be done. We, we've got a lot of things to overcome here. And, and I, we've taught you and I've talked about some of those things. But um, I, I'm just hope to get it fixed, get us going in the right direction and uh, and, and just leave that kind of legacy for myself. When 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 people say Lexi Carter, what is your, what do you see as your reputation now? Bold. (laughs) In a nutshell, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't owe anybody anything. So I speak my mind, uh, whether it's to the mayor or to anybody, I speak my mind. If I see wrong, I'm, you know, I don't, you know, this is a right to work state. And just let me tell you, I don't know where you are is, but. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure what happened, but it just cut off. On a individual who is being compromised. If you lose your job or, you know, follow, you know, you don't, if you don't have money, you can meet that burden of proof. Mm-hmm. And so that really has a lot to do when you can have somebody's, you know, uh, if you can hold that in your hand, you know, uh, you can you can get people to do a lot of things. People will silence. They will be quiet because they need to be able to take care of their families. You know, so people are not outspoken. You hear people whispering in the background and, you know, things. But my money doesn't come from any sources where it can be taken away. So I can speak openly mm. um, and 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 honestly and. Uh, I think that's another thing that uh, that plus I've got a pretty uh, unique ability to raise money because the people who are willing to spend money, trust me, to raise money and see that that money is put to good use. So, um, yeah, I just that's that's what matters, I think. Politically speaking, as far as fundraising is concerned and Memphis is like, especially in the hip hop community, Memphis is like way up there now. Um, how do you connect with the, or is it, is it easier now to connect finance to get donations from the younger community or is that still a hurdle that needs to be overcome? I don't know. I'm going to venture into some new things. I actually, uh, to be honest with you, I'm connected to some multicultural communities that have been very supportive of me and my endeavors. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to raise a lot of money through their sources, but I am trying to tap into new sources uh, uh, as we move forward for the Democratic Party. Um, uh, You know, I think that there's been a lot of success in fundraising for the state party since this 
uh, issue came up with the expulsion of our, our our representatives, but I think you know, and and like you said earlier, how long can you use? I think we can bank on that until the next big mass murder occurs, uh, because now that there's been some resolution to the expulsions because they're back in, that won't be an issue, um, and 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 so I think it's going to all come back to gun reform, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where I think we're going to be able to kind of hang on to some of that. Um, being able to to raise money for those issues, to fight those issues and stuff. So that I think that's, you know, is, there's a lot of opportunity though. I haven't had a lot of, you know, I'm just now really bringing a lot of young people in the fold. Mm-hmm. I work with young people along the way, but um, now I'm leading some young people, and I, and I, I just picked my steering committee, and you know, and I do have, I think mostly young people that are going to be coming in. Uh, and I hope we can mentor them and, you know, and, and tone them down some. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you can say anything you want to say to somebody uh, and say it with respect. And I, that's what I really loved about the hearings that I witnessed uh, in Tennessee, that those young men did exactly yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and so I think that uh, when we can master that, I think we can our message becomes a little clearer. Yeah, because I saw a clip of uh, actually uh, Justin Jones, and I think he had the, <laughs> you know, like like in in the professional world when you have to email people and you pissed off at those people, there's a certain way you can go about letting them know, hey, per our last email, and that, and that's one thing I said, like he per our last email the whole body so succinctly. <laughs> Like, like, am I going to get this back? You took this away. You didn't do that. Am I going to, you know, it was just, it was a brilliant display of taking them to task. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, I think for some of us older people who had just kind of been putting our thumbs on these young folks saying, you know, you can't do this and can't do that. It was a lesson for us. It was like, they're ready. (laughs) They are ready. They know what they need to do. They are strategic. They know what they need to do. Let's 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 give them give them some support. I, I I really that I think it changed my mind. It changed a lot of people's mind. They don't have to fall under a certain quote unquote decorum yeah. that doesn't really exist. I mean, my question is, where was the decorum when Representative Sherelle talked about hanging people from a tree? Exactly. And where was the decorum there? There's a false sense of decorum. And yes. those young people recognize it. Absolutely. And so they put it on the floor. This is what's really happening. And this is what you really are rejecting. And this is what we need from you. I thought it was as clear as the nose on your face. And and I think that has been our problem leadership wise over the years is that sometimes mm-hmm. our leaders don't develop the next generation because they want to remain leaders. And when right. they can no well, longer do it, you there's a vacuum. The next generation has to fight for, for, for the power that's left over as opposed to a stepping stone. You know, I, I've developed this, gener- this this person. I've taught them the way they next in line. There's kind of like a clear uh, lineage, if you will. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. And, and we, but you know, there is a, you know, I remember when I was coming up, we call, used to call it the generation gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I think there's a language barrier in, in the generation. I, I try to learn these young people's language now. Um, mm-hmm. I have grandchildren in their 30s, and I, 
I really try to listen to them. I remember when they were younger, I, once I asked my granddaughter, I said, do people bring guns to your school? She said, yes. And I said, well, why don't you report that? She said, that's not my business. <laughs> I didn't get that. But if you talk to 10 of them, you get the same response. That's they are a diff different generation, a different yeah. language, yes. different attitude towards everything. And we got to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're, the penalties in this generation amongst themselves is completely different than it used to be. Yes. You know, um, I agree with you. If people want to get in contact with you, they want to donate, uh, they want to get active, how do they go about doing that? They can contact me by email at lxcarter, that's Lima, X-Ray, C-A-R-T-E-R, -E at comcast.net. And that's, that's the best way to contact me. Uh, if they want to uh, donate, I will send them a donate link. I think there's one on the Shelby Dem, that's S-H-E-L-B-Y-D-E-M dot com. Shelby Dem dot com. I think that they can donate there. There's an act blue. Okay. Um, and I also, I want to thank Thomas Anderson for arranging this. That's been my guy for a while. He know I've been doing a podcast for years and, and he's been following really? the podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That, that's my guy. You know, he's so independent. I didn't know what I was going to get, but I'm willing to do it. I love my nephew. <laughs> well, he told me, you know, like I can be colorful with my language. He's like, bro, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, he's no, good people. No, no problems. You know, he gave me the ground rules. And it's, it's not really, you know, too much that I had to alter because I pretty much like I, I try to give our people a platform to be honest. And I try to, to try to put them in the most favorable light possible. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. Well, thank you. Um, and if there is anything I can ever possibly do for you, um, y'all having an election, you need somebody, you know, on the air, get some practice. I don't know if there's anything I can possibly do. Please don't hesitate. This has been definitely a memory for myself. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And, um, and you have a great day. You do as well. All right. Yo, that was uh that was really dope. Yo, that was really dope. Um, so salute to Miss Lexi Carter, uh, the chairwoman of the Shelby County Democratic Party. You already know, man, it is your talent that will get you on the show, but it's your story that makes you stand out. And she had one heck of a story. Um, salute to that queen. Salute to the Justins, uh, the Tennessee three, if you will. Uh the Justins and the other lady. I can't remember her name, respectfully. Uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, again, man, um, you know, man, we sponsored by MS. Uh, Y'all already know, man, M3S3. I, I was about to butcher that and say something else. I don't know why. M3S3 clothing, man. Men make moves and suckers stand still. And if you're in Miami this weekend, it is going down. Please tap into them on instagram on facebook m3s3 clothing it is going down they got the three on three basketball tournament they got rap battles shout out to no studio in uh shout out to Gichi Gotti, li the mayor the whole family over there man 
Don't forget to tap in. It's a whole weekend. They got a dunk contest. They got a three-point shooting contest. They got everything you could ask for. Entertainment personified. Shout out to the family, man. On that note, this is Jobs. This has been another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio, and I'm out.